So we're in a brand new series called The Lord's Prayer, and I know what you're thinking. You think it's going to be, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But that is not uh, the passage that we're looking at. We're actually looking at a portion of Scripture where Jesus prayed. That's why we're calling the series The Lord's Prayer. Because this is the portion of Scripture where Jesus prayed. And the interesting thing about it is that Jesus' prayer is for you. It's for the person sitting in your seat. Now, I don't know about you, but if I even hear about people talking about, I'll give you an example. I called the bank uh, this week, and um, when I hung up with the guy on the bank, uh, you know, the, the tell, whatever, the guy on the phone, he left his line open. I left that thing on my ear. I was like, yep, I'm doing my work. I was like, what is this guy going to say about me? Like, you know, because I can't help it, right? When people are talking about me, I just want to know what they're going to say. Well, when Jesus is praying about you, wouldn't you want to know what he prays for? Amen. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to do. This, this series, we're going to speak. We're going to focus on this holy, tender, incredible prayer. And it's written down for us, um, for us to see. Now, I got to tell you from the beginning, okay? Last week, we talked about how Jesus um, prayed for his glory. And that how we would, be, uh, we would be far better off living for his glory than the other idols and gods that we live for. That our joy is found in his glory. This week, we're going to talk about a word that is almost a curse word. That when I say it, some of you are going to go, you call yourself a pastor. It's going to be like a curse word to you. It's going to be awful. But before I tell you the word that we're going to talk about, what Jesus' main idea of this portion of the prayer is, When you think of the question, what makes me fulfilled? When we think about, like, how do I make, how do I bring my best self forward? What do you think about? Well, if you live in America, you think things like, well, we have to be, if we're going to be our best selves, we need to be authentic. Like, that's a quality that's super important in order to be our best selves. Or we might think, if we're going to be our best selves, we need to keep it real. Keep it 100. Right? (laughs) Anybody who starts a sentence with, I'm keeping it 100, you know they're not keeping it 100. Okay? Just so you know. That's the truth. Or maybe we think that to be our best selves is we need to be vulnerable and transparent. Or to be our best selves We need to be self-aware. We need to be self-aware. We need to know what makes us tick and why we do what we do. All those things are very good. I wouldn't talk down about those things, but that's not what Jesus thinks you need the most. What Jesus is going to talk about today, and again, it's like a curse word some of you are going to want to leave after I say it, is the most essential thing about the believer. Now, let me put a disclaimer If you are not a believer, if Jesus is not Lord, if he's not the king of your life, he's not the Lord of all, then listen, you get to listen in on the Christian life and you get to make a better informed decision on whether you want to follow Christ throughout this message. So I'm grateful that you're here. If you're here and you don't know Jesus or you're um, 
or you're kicking the Christian tires, not sure if you want to be a Christian or anything like that, you've been coming for a while, my prayer is that you would come to Christ today. But if not, then here's my prayer for you, that you would listen in and, and see the wonder that Jesus would have for you. But if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, then my prayer is that you would embrace and, and absorb and live out what Christ is calling for you. What Christ prays for in this section of Scripture, in one word, is simply this. Holiness. It says, that holiness will bring out your best selves. Holiness. Now, here's the problem. Some of you grew up in like, uh, I don't want to, what can I do? So some of you grew up in traditions, right, where there's like a holiness movement. And, and in those traditions, when you hear holy, you mean perfect. And that's not at all what Jesus means. In fact, I would suggest that you have no idea what holiness means. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to drill a little deeper into this incredible prayer of Jesus, looking for the holiness that he's looking for in us. And I know that you're going to have objections, but I want you to carry your objections along with you on the journey. But the holiness that Jesus is speaking of is not necessarily the holiness that you're used to defining or the whole, oh, you're some sort, because when we think of holy, we think of like insults, yeah. right? Oh, you, you're some holy roller. <laughs> or what, you think you're holier than thou? So this is not, this is not at all a positive, um, this is not at all a positive uh, word in our culture. So when we come at it, we come at it with some baggage. Now, there's a group of you who said, you know, it's an insult and all that other stuff. But there's some of you who actually long for this. But you know yourself. And you go, I'll never be holy. That's not going to happen. Like, I'll listen to the message. And I might even be, like, enthused or motivated or something like that. But I'm not going to be holy. It's just not in the cards for me. I've tried to be, and I just fail. You don't understand my struggle. You don't know. And I encourage you as well to stick with us. Now, the reason why you want to stick with us on this journey, on talking about holiness, and we're going to define what holiness is, but let me just give you a hint. Holiness is simply to be set apart. Set apart. Does that make sense? To be set apart other than. That's all it means. The reason that this is so important is because if you're a devoted follower to Jesus, you have friends, you have family members, you have people in your life whose lives are falling apart. And you want to help them. But because you're not set apart, you lack the power to help them. Here's what I mean by that. Say, for instance, you had a limp because you had an accident, right? And then another person walks down the street and says this, you know, right? So they're, they're walking like this with a limp down the street, and they see you with the limp, and he goes, he goes, listen, I got a great doctor who'll help you take care of that limp. Here's Dr. So-and-so 
call him. He'll really help you with the limp. Look, he helped me. And then they walk away like this. Let me ask you, do you call that doctor or no? Why? Because there's nothing different about them. There's nothing different about them. You know, as Christians, that's why in many ways we can't help the people that we love. Because we're not set apart. There's nothing different about us. Statistically speaking, the youth in this room will have sex as much as those who are outside of this room. Statistically speaking. Statistically speaking, the marriages in this room will have the divorces that the marriages outside of this room will have. Statistically speaking. Statistically speaking, the people in this room will thieve more or less as much as the people who thieve outside of this room. Statistically speaking, you, statistically speaking, there's no, what was the difference? Recovery House of Worship, what's the difference? Well, here's what I'm saying. Let's look at Jesus' prayer and see if Jesus won't change that. Not only in the person sitting in your seat, but this congregation and even this movement as a whole. Let's just confess right now, we are not, you should feel sufficiently guilty. That was my point of this part of the sermon. <laughs> you should feel sufficiently guilty, but if we stay there, we'll be crushed under that guilt. Jesus doesn't leave us there. But he tell, Jesus is like a good doctor. He tells you the truth before he gives you the medicine. And so my prayer is that you'll hear the truth that we're broken, that there's no difference between us and those out there, and that that can change. But let's look at his prayer. We're going to focus on, and it's a long prayer, I'm only going to be focusing on, well, I'm mostly going to be focusing on verse 17 through 19, but I want you to uh, read the whole thing because uh, it's so much in there, and um, we'll go through it. So, would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Let's stand together. We're going to read God's word. So you're going to read it with me. We'll read it together. Now, this is important because not only are the people that you love going to need to see a difference in you, but this is important because this is the pathway to joy. Some of you are Christians for a long time, and you, go, you think that the pathway to joy is sin. And Jesus would tell you it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. We're going to get there. So listen up. It's going to be powerful. Ch uh, chapter 17, verse 6. On the count of three, let's read it together. One, two, three. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. You knew in certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all I have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, 
Holy Father, protect them by your power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may be full measure of joy within them. I have given them your word, and the word has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. The word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Okay, so here's the deal, folks. Jesus is praying, and he's praying, he's not just praying for his disciples, he's praying for all the believers in the world, because he'll tell us that in verse 20, the very next verse that we did not read today. He'll tell us, I don't just pray for these that are, that are here right now. I'm praying for all the believers throughout time. So this is Jesus' prayer. If you uh, put your trust in Christ, this is his prayer for you. As he's doing this, he's asking for several things. One of the main things that he's asking for in this text is that as they, they're sent out in the world, as I am sent out in the world, and then Jesus says, I'm not going to be with them. I'm not going to be with them anymore, so protect them. Protect them. I'm not going to be with them. And here's what I'm asking for them as they go out into the world. Now, if Jesus had one thing to pray for you as you go out into the world and tell people about Jesus, by the way, we're going to talk a lot more about mission Next week, I pray that you come. It's going to be amazing. But Jesus is saying what you're going to need for this mission, what you're going to need. If Jesus was going to pray one thing, what would it be? Would it be, God, uh, Father, um, give them uh, all the questions that they, all the answers to the questions that are going to come their way? Would that be it? Like, because, right, because if you're going to go out on mission and you're going to share Jesus with others, you need to know all the answers, right? So he goes, give them a, a, a great apologetic. Give them a great argument. Is that what he prays? Does he pray, make them like bullhorn preachers, man, real loud and, and in your face and very bold? And Does he pray for that? No. No. He prays the one thing that you're going to need. Sanctify them. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too 
may be truly sanctified. Now, let's talk about holiness. Let's talk about sanctification, sanctified, holy, synonymous in this, state, in this sentence right here. What are we talking about when we're talking about holiness? We're talking about see, being set apart. It's not being, um, it's not being perfect. It's not being making sure that you have more scriptures memorized than anyone else. It's none of those things. It's being set apart. This is important for us because when we see Jesus speaking, he goes, listen, for them I sanctify myself. Well, Jesus is perfect. He wouldn't have to say this. He wouldn't have to do this. He's already perfect. He says it in other places. That, hey, if there's any sin in me, go ahead and, and convict me. Jesus knows he's sinless. And yet here he says, I sanctify myself. I put myself on the side. So there, there's three aspects to the holiness that Jesus is calling for. There's three components, three aspects to living holy. Hopefully I'll be able to define it and make it practical for us. But here they are. The first thing when you're living holy is that you have a singular focus. If you're taking notes, I would say this, three aspects to living holy. The first one is a singular focus. A singular focus. Now, if we're going to live holy lives, surrendered in Christ, and again, I'm speaking to Christians, you've already done the deal, you've already confessed your sin to Christ, you've already received his righteousness. If we're going to live for Christ, we need to have a singular focus. This cannot be abandoned. This cannot be um, looked past. What do I mean when I say singular focus? Say, say for instance, you decided um, just recently in the Barclays Center, two blocks away from here, they had a championship bout, Garcia versus Thurman, right? Keith Thurman versus Danny Garcia. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, Thurman won, right? And so... What if, what if, what if you met with Keith Thurman? He's the champion. What if you met with him? If you met with him and you wanted to uh, hang out with him, you go, hey, Keith, we're going to go out and we're going to um, eat chocolate at midnight. What would he say? He would say, no, I can't do that. Why? Because I have a singular focus. Everything, to have a singular focus means that everything else in life takes second chair to what the primary focus is. You don't disrupt that primary. We're talking about living a holy life before Christ. We need to have a singular focus. So if my focus is being uh, the boxing champion of the world, then that dictates what I do next. That dictates how I live my life. That dictates how I eat. That dictates the times that I hang out. That dictates my sleeping patterns. It dictates my workout schedule. It changes everything. But what happens when American Christians come to Christ? It's just one thing piled on to their other stuff. And there's not a singular focus. Jesus is a good man among other gods. There are other gods that we pursue. 
There are other things that we look to satisfy ourselves with. It's a singular focus. Do you think Keith Thurman just won the championship? Do you think he's really upset that he wasn't able to drink beers throughout his camp? Do you think that that was like something like, oh, man, I can't believe the denial. Oh, it's so painful. He would never say that. Why? Why? Because he has a singular focus. Do you think that he would ever, if somebody came up to him and said, are you telling me that boxing demands of you to get up at 4 in the morning and start running and do these crazy workouts and burn 12,000 calories a day and then get hit by other... Are you saying that in order to be champion, you've got to go through all this pain and all this suffering for one 30-minute bout twice a year? Are you saying that that's what boxing requires of you? Is that even fair? He would go, I don't know if it's fair, but it's the life I've chosen. It's the one I desire. It's what I will, it's what I know will get me the greatest joy. Why? Singular focus. Singular focus. Not only are we to have singular focus, so this is one aspect of living holy. The second aspect of living holy is an undivided heart. It's an undivided heart. This is a big deal. Now, the divided heart is the one who's torn. You've heard that. Oh, I feel torn over this. So here's what happens. The Christian, the Christian who doesn't live holy is this way. Um, and let's get real, real, real. Um, let's not get superficial. Let's get as, uh, as controversial as we can. Okay. So the Christian comes in and says... Oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's my purpose, he's my goal, he's everything to me, absolutely, I love him. And then somebody comes up to him and says, hey, you know, sex is for married people only. Sex is for married people only. That's what the Bible says. And then they're like, no, I'm torn. You don't understand. Now, I'm making fun, but I shouldn't make fun because it's pretty serious for, for a lot of us, right? So, so there's some of us who go like this, who go like this. Yeah, but listen, sex is for married people only, but God understands. You know why? Because she's going to be my wife in a couple of months anyway. It's, it's no big deal. She's, she's already my boo. She's already, she's, 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 she's already my wifey. So we can... We can go down that road, no big deal. It's a divided heart. And if you have a divided heart, you'll never live the holy life that you long for. You go, but wait, 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 wait. If, if I choose Jesus, I'm going to have to deny this aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't understand. I was born this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't understand. I, I, I don't know anything else. I don't want to go the other way. I, I, I'm born this way. This is the way I am. Mm -hmm. You have a divided heart. You see, the holy life not only calls for a singular focus, but it calls for an undivided heart. Jesus is the heavyweight, undisputed heavyweight champ of your affections. And, nothing, and if something else comes in, you go, yeah, listen, 
looks good, feels good, tastes good, all that other stuff, but I'm not doing it because I love Jesus. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my all in all. Jesus is my wonder. And you go, you know what? That's just so archaic. You don't understand. Right. When, and, and, and gosh, I'm not just I'm not just picking on you heterosexuals. Right. Right. The, the gays in this room, the straights in this room, the, the every one of us have a choice to make. It's either Jesus or this. And I know I know what you want to do. I know what you want to do. You want to you want to go. Um, uh, Jesus, uh, don't look at this. OK, it's in my pocket. Don't look at this. It's right here. It's in my pocket. Don't, just don't. Check. Listen, you have all of me. Don't look at this. I'm telling you, you'll never, live in a, you'll never live a holy life. You'll never live this joy-filled life. You'll never live a life that is fully devoted to Christ. You'll never be your best selves. In the end, in the end, the question is always, who am I going to choose? In this moment, right now, do I choose the boy or do I choose Jesus? Do I choose the, uh, the illegal way to get more money or do I choose Jesus? It's not that complex. Is it the beer or is it Jesus? Is it the overeating or is it Jesus? Is it the overspending or is it Jesus? It's an undivided. The holy person is, has a singular focus because they have one goal. I want Jesus, he's my only goal. It affects all the other decisions that they make. But and then when the decisions come down the pipe, they say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to choose you. I'm going to choose Jesus. Now, I'm going to explain. This explains why so many of you left Jesus 20 years ago. This might be the first time you're in church. Like, I, I, I bet you this never fails to happen. There's a person in the service who, and I don't know, I haven't met you. I don't know your story, but you're here. And you were loving Jesus when you were a younger person. And then you decide, and then what happened? What happened is just your flavor came down. And, and it, could have been, it could have been a way to make money. It could have been a, a, a relationship. It could, have been, uh, it could have been a drug. It could have been whatever. Just whatever is your flavor. You know your flavor. I don't know your flavor. I know my flavor. You know your flavor. And so that came down the way. And you said, no, I, I'm not going to have an undivided heart. Come here. And you wholly gave yourself. You, matter of fact, this is your identity. This is who you are. This is this right here. Whatever it is, addict, lover of such a person, whatever. I don't know what it is. You don't have, a, you don't have to worry about an undivided heart. Your heart is not divided at all. You don't want Jesus at all. The person who walks in holiness has not only a singular focus, but they have an undivided heart. Now, the third aspect of holiness is this, a new community. This is good. We can't do this on our own. In fact, I, I should say this before I get to, because I'm going to get to the meat of the sermon in a second. I just wanted you to see this. You should feel sufficiently crushed at this point. There's no one in this room, me first, you second, no one in this room who has lived their lives like Jesus is the only purpose of their life without making any deviations from it. There's not one person in this room, me first. And there's not one person in this room 
who hasn't on occasion divided their heart. But listen to me. Christ, even though we're failures at this, Christ can turn us around. But before I get to that part, let me finish this about the new community. The new community is, we're not just, notice, notice what Jesus says here. He goes, sanctify them. He's not talking about a person. He's talking about the church. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. What is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is talking about the church. So let me ask you. Let me ask you. When people come to the recovery house of worship, does, is our community better? Is our community better than what they'll find in society? Here, this is not what I mean by better. I don't mean that like we're like, oh yeah, we steal less, we do our taxes more. We do, I'm not talking about silly things like that. I'm talking about are we more generous? Are we more willing to be offended and absorb the offense rather than to offend? Are we more willing to find a person who completely disagrees with us, who is completely in the wrong and living in a way that we don't, and love them well? Are we not, I'm not talking about you know, are you known by this? I'm saying is the recovery house of worship known by this? Are we known as a crazy, generous group of churches who will literally give our last dollar because we trust Jesus for our finances and we give generously? Are we compassionate? Are we, are we people who have to have a, and I would submit this, I would submit no. We're not. We're not. There's hope for us because Jesus is our hope. But we're not. We're still, too, we're still too focused on me and my and I and how things will affect me. And so if there's any inconvenience to be had, we leave it to the next person. If there's any finances to give, we leave it to the next person. If there's any, if there's any sacrifices to be made, we leave it for the next person. Recovery House of Worship. Listen to me. Let's stop. Let's stop being self-centered American Christians. And let's start being a community who sacrifices for one another. I long for the day. I long for the day where we have groups that come together. And in the group, like in the beginning, I, I heard this vision of a group with, with a Korean church that I thought was amazing. They didn't meet weekly. They, you know, they're small groups. It wasn't weekly. It was a party one time a month, and you know the first thing that they would do? They would come in and share needs. Could you imagine this? I saw this and I was like, oh my gosh, I want this for the recovery house of worship. They would share needs. So one person would say, man, my car broke down and it's difficult for me to get into work. And then that person would sit down and another person would say, oh my gosh, my babysitter gave out on me and now I need a babysitter. Da, da, da. And then another person would get up and say, you know, uh, we, gosh, we've been doing our finances well, but you know Joe hasn't been in work for three months and the bill is due. And, and then another person would come up and say, and they would all share their needs. And you know what the group would say? The, the person with the no money would say, hey, Joe is out of work right now. 
and we're doing, you know, the monster, you know, dot com and all that other stuff, he could watch your kids while he's out of work, and you could do that. And then the one who uh, struggled with something else said, hey, you don't have a car? I'll lend you my car. How long do you think you'll need it for? You see what that's like? That's a new community that all of us long for, but that nobody wants to sacrifice to do. So, what do you say? Let's, say, let's be a crazy, crazy community. Let's be a community. Let's be a community who literally, somebody, like, you know, somebody comes in and says, oh, man, I need a car, and just go, oh, yeah, here you go. There you go. Take my car. Because it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. And we're in the body of Christ. Take the car. What's the big deal? Bring it back. Don't bring it back. It belongs to Jesus. If you're stealing from Jesus, you got issues. And I don't want to be around you. You know why that sounds crazy to some of us? Because we're not into holiness. We're not, we're not willing to pay the price. Maybe we're not willing to pay the price. Maybe, maybe, let me tell you, all right, I, I got another vision for you. Here's, here's another vision. Hey, Recovery House of Worship, why don't you just come here on Sundays, and I'll do my best singing, and then I'll preach my heart out, and then we'll talk and eat soup in the background. Yeah! Because that's what Jesus died on the cross for. Let's do it! It's pathetic, isn't it? That's not the holy life. That's not the life that Jesus calls for. I know, I know. You're here in this service and you're going, this is why I woke up early. <laughs> the, the, person, the, the person who lives a holy life has a singular focus. Everything else. It's all about Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think that uh, Thurman... Visits his friends? Sure he does. Do you think he has a relationship with his family members? Sure he does. But it's all subservient to his focus on being the world champion. So if visiting his friends conflicts, if, being, if, doing, if anything conflicts with him being champion, it takes a back seat to him being champion. Same thing for the Christian. We have a singular focus. An undivided heart. Jesus is our affections. Jesus is our longing love. Jesus is the one who satisfies and fills to the brim. And then, the person who lives a holy life lives in community. What's mine? It's yours. And you don't even have to say, what's yours is mine. I don't care. What's mine is yours. Every day of the week. My house my car, my clothes, what's mine? I just want you to, I, you don't want to go, I'll go first. What's mine is yours. We need a community who will suffer together and bear one another's burden and not just drive by and go, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but be willing to say, you know what, we are in community. I want, I want that kind of church. I want to see that kind of church at the Recovery House of Worship. I want that. Now, I just told you you can't do that, and we're out of time. I can't do that. You can't do that. I never could. So how does holiness catch fire in our lives? If that's what holiness looks like, let's look at the, the three-legged stool for a second. 
if this is what holiness looks like in your life, a singular focus, an undivided heart, a new community, you and I know that we'll leave this place and none of us will do what we just said. You won't. You won't. So now what do we do? If this is a holy life, how, how can we go to God? How can we catch fire? Well, it's two things. Two things. How does holiness catch fire in our lives? Well, before we do that, let's look at fire. What do you need for fire? You need two things. You need heat and fuel. And of course, you need an oxidating element, which is air, but this just, you know, for, for the microbiologist in the room, right? Um, you, need, you need heat and fuel, okay? So, heat and then fuel. So, if that's how you, if you have heat but no fuel, no combustion. If you have fuel but no heat, no combustion. You need heat and fuel. What we need then to catch fire if we're going to live a holy life is truth and grace. Truth and grace. That's what we're going to need. Tell the truth. Here's the truth, God. My car is my car. It's not your car. I'm not lending it out to nobody. I'm keeping the keys in my pocket. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, would you share the word of your truth? Because remember what Jesus says about truth. He doesn't just share about being honest. I just shared about being honest. But Jesus says, you see it here? Sanctify them by the truth. Your what? Word is truth. So what if? What if? We said, that's the way I feel. And then you read in the scriptures about the, how the Son of Man laid down his life for you and me. And we're not even let, willing to lay down a shirt. And you read about how the, 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 the Son of Man did not have a place to lay his head, giving, giving everything away. And you read how the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords didn't just sacrifice what he had, he sacrificed who he was for you. You see, when that truth grips our hearts, when we go into God's word and we say, oh man, I don't want to serve, I don't want to give, I don't want to share, I don't want to live life with other people, it's messy and it's difficult. When we see that Jesus came from heaven to earth to live life with people who are messy and that he gave not just a tithe or a portion of his finances, but he gave all of his life. When we see that Jesus not only gave but healed and loved and he said, When we see that, it warms our hearts. It changes our heart. The gospel changes our hearts. And if we have that truth, here's what we do. We go, God, give me. It's grace. I need grace. I need the grace to change. I can't stop being a self-centered person. It'll never happen. So I wanted to illustrate this for you. And it's kind of like this. You and I are like this dirty plate. Right? There's food. God only knows what's on this thing. My God. Um, It looks like ketchup and sauce and all that other stuff. Right? Okay. So now watch this. When you and I come to Christ, this is the way we come. 
And God says, you'll never be your best self. You'll never live the fulfilling life. You'll never, be the, you'll never have the joy that you want. You'll never be used. Can you use this plate, anybody? Who would want to put ice cream on this plate? Only me. Like, I'm that guy, right, who I don't care about stuff like that, right? But other than me, nobody else would want to put, you know why? But what was this plate made for? This plate was made to be served so that others could enjoy whatever people put on it. You know, you were made with a purpose. You were made to be served in the hands of the king. And we go, Jesus, use me. Jesus, I want to be used by you. I want to be used. But he goes, holy, holy. Not perfect, holy. What's holy? It's set apart. So that we're singular focus. We have a singular focus. We have an undivided heart. And we have a new community. So what do we do? Well, we come to Christ. Of course we do. And if you could imagine that this soap is, and this water is the word of God. And Jesus comes in and he cleanses us by his grace. And he says, I love you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You know what? Keep the ketchup. I don't care. I love you. I died for that ketchup on your plate. I died for all the sin in your life. Don't, don't you want to not keep, right? When he loves you like that, yeah, I know you're a drunk. Yeah, I know you're a deadbeat dad. Yeah, I know this about you. And then he says, I want to make you holy. And you know, this plate can't wash itself. This plate could want to be clean all it wants. It can't wash itself. You know, this plate, if it stood here for 100 years, it'd never get any cleaner. It'd never be able to be used but that one time. And then it's got all those stains from that one time. But in the hands of Jesus, he goes, I love you. You don't have to do it. Look at me. I'm cleaning you. I know you feel guilty. You feel ashamed about that lifestyle that you live. You feel ashamed about that sin that you commit. I know. But I'm not done with you. And believe me, this takes years. The, the cleaning of our hearts takes years. But Jesus is not tired. I'll clean you. You're not perfect. There's still brokenness in you. And if you look close enough here, you would see that there's still some things on this plate. But it's able to be used again. And now, now, Jesus goes, now I want to serve you before. Now I want to use you to feed the homeless. And the homeless eat and are grateful. And they never think about the plate because they're so grateful to Jesus. But and then, and then Jesus says, you know what? Maybe, maybe you're like a pastor, Ray. I will put you before addicts. And they'll, and they'll consume. And like, Jesus, I never thought that I would be speaking to people in Sweden. California and in Europe and then, and then there's a few of you where Jesus goes I'll put you before kings and the kings they're not focused on the plate who cares about the plate but you know what the plate is delighted because it's being used by Jesus don't you want to be used by Jesus so here's the deal 
you can't wash yourself. <laughs> you can't do this on your own. There's no hope for you. If you go away from this message saying, oh, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. No! Jesus, get me back here. What is this? This is the word, truth and grace. Jesus, get me back here. I just don't live for you. Here's the truth about me. So let me give you a way how you could grow in this affection for Jesus throughout this week. When you're doing dishes, you can do what I just did. I go, Jesus, you know, this plate can't clean itself just like I can't clean my own soul. I need you. But this plate is going to be cleaned for better use tomorrow. Lord, would you do that in my heart? Or maybe you're washing clothes and you say, Lord, the stains on this shirt, what is going to happen? Well, you're a stain remover, aren't you, Jesus? You remove stains. Just like you remove, I'm going to remove stains from this shirt. You remove stains from my life because you put my sin as far as the east is from the west because your desire is for me to be holy. Maybe, maybe, you, um, maybe you're in a car or on a bus or on a train and you go, Jesus, this train, this, I'm not driving it. I'm not, I'm not driving this bus. It's carrying me to my destination. And Jesus, I trust you to carry me to my destination, wherever it would be. And you're going to give me a single focus so that you are the primary goal of my life. And you're going to give me an undivided heart so that when she calls, when he calls, when it longs for me, I'm going to go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to have a divided heart. I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm not going to run to you because you are not where my satisfaction lies. Jesus is where my satisfaction lies. And I'm going to do this in a new community where I can go, guys, I'm going crazy. My life is falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. I'm, I'm feeling lustful. I want to steal from Macy's, whatever it is. And, and you guys go, and you guys go, I know, me too. Let's do this together. Let's be broken together. And let's run, to, let's run to Jesus so that we could experience his cleansing. Are you too good for that? Hope not.